Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Y'all got anything left in the tank? Mercy. Brother in the UPS uniform in the back came in with the browns on. All right. That's hard work. And he's the one clapping that he's still got some in the tank. Praise the Lord. Give me some of whatever you're taking. Praise God. There was a revival at First Assembly of God in Grand Rapids, Michigan years ago. Not long after, maybe coterminous to the Brownsville revival, I'm not sure. They went Friday, Saturday, Sunday for two years with evangelist Sam Rivekogel and that massive church, thousands of people's lives changed, touched by the Spirit of God. Even in Michigan, they can have a revival up north too. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, Pastor Wayne Benson called the staff into the sanctuary and they had seats all across the platform where the staff usually sat and he gathered them together. And he said, we've been pouring out in all of these services. How many know revival can be exhausting? Amen. The Spirit of God moves on your life and you feel super powered. But, but that's the physical man has to try to find a way to keep up with that. And so he said to his worship pastor at the time, Pastor Phil Lott, he said, would you go to the piano and, and lead us in a chorus? And to my understanding, I do not believe this is an exaggeration, but the way that I heard it from somebody that was in that revival, that got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in that revival, later went to Bible college with me. He said, Pastor Phil went over to the piano and from his heart began to say and sing and write the song spontaneously. He said, I've spoke with tongues of angels. I've spoke with tongues of men. I've seen the lame man made to walk, seen dead, to brought, to the, brought to life again. But I'm thirsty for your presence, for I remain unchanged. So with all that I am, I say, show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory, Lord, and I shall be changed by the power of love. Wow. To be in two year, years of revival and say, I've spoken tongues of angels and tongues of men, lame walk, dead rise, but I remain unchanged. To be in the midst of a move of God. I don't think I've ever read those words at any other revival, but I'm just telling you, you can be in the midst of a move of God and be stirred and yet unchanged. I don't know about you. I want reality in his presence. I don't, I don't want to be pumped and primed and cheerleaded. I want God to deal with what's really going on. Somebody say, what's really going on? Come and look at your neighbor asking, what's really going on? Praise God. Deal with us tonight, oh Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. been such an honor to be here. I'll be heading south tomorrow, Lord willing, and uh, getting ready for the next meeting that I've got in Chillicothe, Missouri, up north of Kansas City. You know, it's amazing. I look today, Sunday night service, there's been 1.4 thousand viewers. Monday night service, I think 936. Uh, well, somewhere in there, there was another service that was 1.1 thousand. 
and I guess last night, 944 or something like that, people are watching. It's a little bit scary. I, I feel like the Lord gives me something for people that are in the room, but, but if other people are tuning in, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for a well. And the whole world hears the scream of the enemy constantly saying, you can't have a move of God. You can't have a move of God. You can't have a move of God. Which is why Jesus steps over the person at the pool of Bethesda that has a sinus infection and a migraine and a broke arm and finds the man who's been there 38 years. Because when he gets up, everybody else in that hospital says, if he can get up, I can get up. And if God can sit down in, where are we? Grittany. If God can sit down in Grittany, Florida, Alabama, Florida, Alabama line, and start moving on former drug addicts and former church hurt people and former re- rejected by all kinds and broken marriages and restored marriages and people walking. If he can move in a place like this, then 1.4 thousand people online saying, if he can do that there, maybe he can do it here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, make this place and our life permission for somebody else to receive what God has for them. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. After I read, I would really uh, covet for you to partner with me in this service to pray for the visa uh, process for Nigeria. I've been calling consulates and embassies and third-party visa companies, and I just cannot get a clear answer from anybody what should take two to three days at the max, one to two weeks, has been near into two months now, and I'm supposed to be leaving September 7th. It's an annual conference that I'm preaching in Nigeria, so they can't change the dates in order to align with uh, the embassy, so we just are going to believe God to move those things and work them out. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, let's start with verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6, And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Now let me just, let me just highlight what's going on right here. We have generations of people that have been raised to believe when the Messiah comes, he's overthrowing every other tyrannical dictatorship that's overseeing their country. He's coming in political power. He's coming to promote Israel and Israelites. He's coming to do what Moses did and get them free from the Pharaoh of their day. I'm talking about Mamaw's Mamaw and Papaw's Papaw have been sitting kids on their knees and saying when Messiah comes, when Messiah comes, when Messiah comes, when Messiah comes, and now they claim to believe. He's been with them three, three and a half years, and they still don't have a clue That that's not what he came to do. I say that to say this. Brother Robert, if you're going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I just wasn't raised that way. Neither were they. Their doctrine was 180 the opposite direction about what he's about to say. He says in verse 7, and he said unto them, And it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. Somebody say power. They're thinking, all right, we're going to slay the enemy. 
In those 120 is Simon Zelotes. That means a zealot. There's a political zealot. I don't, I don't even know uh, what that would be in our generation. Is that like the QAnon people or is that the, I don't know, I, the Proud Boys? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But this person was a fanatic. He was ready to go to war against the Romans. He was ready to knock heads. And Jesus says power. And he's like, it's about time. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Could it be possible that God has something for you different than what you're expecting? New believers are not hard to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Children are not hard to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Church folks are nigh unto impossible to get filled with the Holy Ghost because they got made up in their mind. Well, my mamaw's mamaw and my papaw's papaw and my papaw was a preacher and my papaw said it like this. And when mamaw got the Holy Ghost, she got it like this. And if I don't get it like that, then I just can't get what does God have for you? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he didn't say you'll go witnessing. It's not power to do. It's power to be. You shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem. Everybody likes to say start in your hometown. Jerusalem was not their hometown. They were from Nazareth in Galilee. Even the first word was not. <laughs> that means you got to go sometimes. you got to go into the highways and the hedges. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Let's go ahead to Acts chapter 2. Very little notes tonight, but I want to obey the Holy Ghost if he'll lead me. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, myself included, would you shift us from our preconceptions? Lord, would you shift us from our frustrating arguments? Would you cause us to come in alignment with the spirit of truth that will lead us into all truth? God, would you grant faith in this house and a drawing that causes it to be easy to step into the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us at Calvary? Do what only you can do in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said amen. 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 You can be seated. Now, I, I should have done my homework and listened to what Brother Dalton preached on Sunday morning. But this, this I had a different text and thought I was going to go towards. And this came to me about the first or second song that we were singing. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of you have traveled out west. Anybody ever been out to, like, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, California? It, it gets hot, but their hot's different than our hot. I'm talking about you. I was hiking in Utah a while back, and it could be 114 degrees, and it don't feel like our 80 degrees. They don't know what humidity is. I think if they got over here, they would need a snorkel to breathe. It's totally different. It's different heat completely. And, and when you're over there and it's hot, you go into the shade, 20 degrees cooler right there. 
I'm talking about when you get out of the sun, it's a total different atmosphere. Here, I don't know what the cows are doing out under there under that oak tree. That oak tree ain't saving them from nothing. Anything is putting them in danger of a lightning bolt. Lightning capital of the world. Welcome to Florida. And uh, it's just the same. The only thing that makes a difference is a breeze. And friend, that's why if you live close to the coast, you can say, well, it's hot. But we've got that breeze that comes in from the ocean. We got that breeze that comes in from the Gulf. You can handle the heat as long as there's a breeze. How many know what I'm talking about? Our brother in the Browns, I don't know if you drive that vehicle with a door open. Amen. But most of them don't come standard with really good AC, I don't think. Amen. But if you don't have any AC, at least give me the breeze. I can handle the heat as long as I have a breeze. I need to stop right here and say thank you to these uh, that were given the blessing this, this evening. Because not only did they stay for an extra two weeks or whatever, they stayed through a revival. Amen. They could have simply bowed out on Sunday night and say, we didn't sign up for all them extra services, Pastor. You're going to have to cut us a bigger check than that. I don't know if they're getting an offering or not. Amen. You'd, I'd almost feel generous enough to part with a little bit of mine, but I'm not that generous because I'm going to Nigeria. All right, so the Lord, the Lord bless you and give it to you in heaven. Amen. I'm just, I just do want to say thank you. and Thank you for staying through the revival every night. Y'all, y'all must love the Lord. Praise the Lord. And whoever's been working in nursery for these five, six, seven hour services, y'all really love the Lord. I'd have been passing out. I'd have been back there passing out some Benadryl every night. <laughs> Brother Robert, that's child abuse. I ain't, I ain't got none. Don't worry about it. So I just want to tell you tonight, you can handle the heat. As long as there's a breeze. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning God. And that word God in the original, because the Bible was not written in English. It was written Old Testament in mostly Hebrew, New Testament mostly Greek. And that original, in the beginning God, that word there is Elohim. Now, if you were like me as a child, I thought the Old Testament belonged to God the Father. That was all his That was his playground. He got to do what he wanted to do there. And then he gave his son a turn. It was a short one. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's Jesus' turn. And then in my childish mind, I thought he kind of like high-fived the Holy Ghost on the way up. And the Holy Ghost came down. And I was glad to be living in chapter 2021 of the book of Acts because we live in the Holy Ghost time. Amen. But that's not really the way it works. From the first verse of the Bible, the first mention of God is a plural word. The way that we put an S on the end of our word to make it plural is the way that the suffix im is put on the end of a Hebrew word to make it plural. And so let me just stop real quick and explain what I believe. And if your pastor don't believe this way, he'll rebuke me later and deduct it from the offering. But what I believe, I believe that God is a triune God, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and God the Son, Jesus. And this is the way that it works. God the Father is God, fully God. He's not one-third God. He's not part God. He is God. Now, hear these words. Only about two of you taking notes. That's all right. Watch it later. He is co-equal, meaning he is not of greater value or greater importance. He is co-substantial. 
That was a word that they had to figure out. I believe that the Nicene Council early in the church to say that the, 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 the father and the son were homoousius of same, not of similar, but of same substance that Christ had a deity just like the father. The father is co-equal, co-substantial, co-eternal. He is an uncreated being. And co-redemptive. No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit of the Father draw him. And you come to the Father by the blood of the Son. And so he is co-redemptive. He's a part of the work of salvation. And so I believe in God the Father. But I do not believe that God the Father died on the cross. And God is not schizophrenic. So he didn't separate himself from himself to say, I'm going to echo and, and try to mimic and try to like, uh, what, is that, what is that word where somebody's got a puppet on their lap? The ventriloquist. I'm not going to, through ventriloquism, send my voice into heaven while I'm on the cross. No, the Father and the Son are co-equal, but are not, the Father is not the Son. And so the Son, Jesus, is God, fully God. Somebody say amen. He is co-equal of same value and importance. He is co-substantial of same substance. He is co-eternal. He is not a created being. He always has been and always shall be. He is co-redemptive. Amen. He is, he is the second person of the Trinity. God the Son Jesus. Not one third God. Not part God. But he is fully God and when he was incarnated fully man. And I believe in God the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost is not part God. Amen. He is not just a spooky force that comes from God. He is God, fully God. He is not the Father. He is not the Son. He is co-equal. He is co-substantial. He is co-eternal. He is co-redemptive. And yet these three being one is our triune God. You can't get away from the Trinity from the very first verse in the Bible. How do you explain that, Brother Robert? When, 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 when uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, that the Jews quote in prayer, the Lord our God, he is one. That word one is the same Hebrew word where it says Adam will know his wife even. They shall be one flesh. And so one and yet three. Amen. We'll, we'll understand it better by and by, but that's a little summary of it. Now, I know there's some churches that don't believe that. And I was calling around a certain city in the United States looking for a church for my parents to attend. They were, uh, my dad and stepmom were living up there for a while. And so when I was calling around, I was going through something. Uh, young people, you won't know what this is, but go to a museum later and look it up and find it. It's pretty cool. This old school thing called a phone book. And I, I went, I went under churches, scrolled down, went under Pentecostal. And I, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I call, exaggerating. I called 30 to 40 churches. A lot of them didn't answer at all. And, and then I began to realize half of the ones that were answering, answering did not believe in, in, in the Trinity. And so I wanted to know, do you have prayer meetings? Do you have Sunday night services? Do you believe, you believe in right living? I wanted to know, but I started just straight out of the chute, started asking people, do you believe in the Trinity? And I got down to one church. You can't tell if it just says, you know, something, something tabernacle or something. And so I called them and they said, we're Tunis. I said, Tunis? I've heard of oneness. What's Tunis? In my mind, I thought, which one you get rid of? And this preacher on the phone, he said, we believe that the Father is a person, we believe the Son is a person, and we believe the Holy Ghost is a force. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, be unkind on the phone, but I thought, I'm not sending my family to no Star Wars church that prays a benediction and says, let the force be with you. Catherine Kuhlman said, don't say anything about the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend, and he's all that I've got. 
Friend, it's hard to understand sometimes that when we talk about the Spirit of God and the Bible gives us a, a picture that He's like a fire and that He's like a wind and that He's like a dove, that you pick up on these elements that He's somehow an inanimate, non-sentient being. Oh, but friend, Jesus made it clear. I will send you the promise and I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you the comforter. He will be your paraclete. He will be the one that walks beside you. He is not just a force. He is the person of the trinity amen he can be grieved he can be quenched amen but he can also be known in relationship i'm not just trying to get a tongue i want to know the holy ghost and for the holy ghost to have his way in my life three years ago this summer one of my best friends in the whole world zach williams in denton texas passed away on a motorcycle uh car cut out in front of him and he he went on into eternity. 11 months before that, I was a, a, a groomsman in his wedding. And 11 months later, I was a pallbearer at his funeral. His bride, 19 years old, now a widow. It, it, was, it, was, it was grievous. I had lost, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-aunts and uncles. I've been to those kind of funerals. I'd not been to a funeral of a friend younger than me. And, and after I left that funeral, you can't put grief on the calendar and say next Thursday at 2.30, I'm going to have an overwhelming uh, bereaving come o- o- upon me. It just, it just comes. It just some, some thought, some song, some, some sense, some, something on the aisle at the store. It just triggers it, and all of a sudden it comes. Now, friend, I'm a southern man, which means that I, 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 I think of myself that I'm masculine, and yet I'm still kind of a crybaby. I, I, I mean, I'll cry. You show me a video of those soldiers coming home. Oh, man, I can't hold back the tears. Surprising their kids on the ball field at school, all that stuff. Come on, why are you men in your cowboy boots and Carhartt looking at me like you don't cry? You're manly, but you still get choked up, don't you? Come on now, stop looking at me like that. But, but just because it's sad don't mean I feel the Holy Ghost. I can feel an emotion and, and get a tear and a lump and not feel the Holy Ghost. But I can tell you every single time grief came to me over the next days and weeks and months. Every single time. Without without preparation, no worship on in the background. I had not come out of a two-hour prayer meeting. I'm just saying a trigger would hit me. And I'd say, oh God, I miss my friend. And that comforter would rise up and he'd begin to pray through me. Ah, if you turn him on and turn him off when you want to, friend, you don't. he doesn't have you. You have him. And there's a difference. You go down in that water. We don't say you have the water. We say the water has you. And when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's not to say I have him. It's to say he has me. Friend, he chooses like a relationship when to prompt you, when to move upon you, when to rise up and bear witness through you. Oh, I'm thankful he's the third person of the Trinity. And he's a personal friend of mine. So if you are writing the narrative of the Bible, the way that you would watch a movie or read a book, if you don't know because the main actors aren't, aren't Tom Hanks or somebody famous, then you, you don't know who the main protagonist is going to be. So you're watching for who gets the first cameo on the camera. You're watching for who the author is giving first emphasis to. And so if you were to author the Bible and introduce the Trinity, you've been introduced to the triune Elohim, but then, then who are you first? going to introduce within the Godhead are you first going to introduce the father are you first going to introduce the son Jesus 
Well, let's read what the Bible said. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. I'm sorry, that's John 1 and 1. In the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the... I need a few more Bible readers to say it out loud. And the... What? What kind of Bible puts the Spirit of God as the first individual of the Godhead that we're introduced to? Why would God do that? I thought we had to wait till Acts chapter 2. I thought we had to leave him on the back burner. I thought he was a side dish. I thought he was optional. I thought he was a fringe doctrine that we just left out because we didn't want to disrupt any of our relationships. Oh, no, the author of Scripture said, let's put him up front so that everybody knows he's primary. Amen. What's he doing? Well, let me explain what that word is. That word spirit there is ruach. Somebody say ruach. I'm sorry about the water vapor. It's about to come out of your mouth. But in Hebrew, you got to say it with a little like Hanukkah. So say ruach. Ruach means breath, wind, or spirit. Breath, wind, or spirit. Just pull out a Strong's Concordance. Look up every time the word ruach is used in the Old Testament. One-third of the times it's translated breath. One-third of the times it's breath. It's translated wind. One-third of the times it's translated spirit. And here, what is the Spirit of God doing? What is the breath of God doing? What is the wind of God doing? He's hovering. He's taking position He's taking his post and he's waiting for the order of creation to come into existence. I know we're not swinging from chandeliers, but I think if you get the understanding, amen, you will have a more intimate relationship with him. So hear me. This is the way I believe creation took form. The father is the architect of it all. He saw that the earth was void, dark, without form, deformed, chaotic and he said I'm going to do something about it now we know the evening and the morning were the first day and God said it is good and the evening and the morning were the second day and God said it's good and the evening and the morning were the third day and at the end of every day God said it is good but check this out it was good in the mind of the father before it ever showed up in the reality of the earth which means when God looks at dark, chaotic, deformed things, he starts thinking a good thought. Amen. And before it ever shows up in the reality down here, he said, I've already got a plan to deal with that. Well, I wish that worked for something other than creation. Go ahead on over to Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11. And my Bible says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Oh, but God, I've still got chaos in my life. Hey, but I'm thinking something about it. I'm still deformed, but I'm thinking there's darkness in my house but I've got a thought and I'm about to speak and so the architect thinks it but then who says it somebody's got to say it you know those old commercials clap on clap off this is not a clap on kingdom which is why I can't stand while I'm preaching when people look uninterested but want to give a big old clap just keep your clap you can't activate the kingdom with a clap it's biblical, it's an instrument, but it's not as powerful as your voice. Amen. He decided in order to bring it to pass, he was going to speak it. So the father thought it. Who's going to say it? The son. He's the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and nothing was made that was made but by the word. And so the father thought it, and the son Jesus said, I'll say it, dad. And he said, so uh, what you think about that darkness? Uh, I'm thinking about light. Let me say it. Let me say it. Let there be light but who's going to turn the light on God the Holy Ghost 
God the Holy Ghost is the power that activates the mind of the Father and the word of the Son. See, if you have no spirit, then the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You can get a doctorate degree in theology, memorize Genesis to Revelation, backslide and go to hell because you need more than thinking and more than scripture. You need the breath of the author. Hallelujah. And so when the father thought it, the son said it, then the breath of God and the light came on. The wind of God and out of darkness came light. The order of God came into existence. Why is that important? Because you need to know that everything that God wants to bring into the chaos and the darkness of your life comes to the same order. God's thinking about it. The word will activate it. And the spirit is the liaison, the power that brings it into being in your life. Everything, everything, everything that God has in the resources of heaven is brought to life in you and me by the spirit of God. Say amen. amen. And so I need, you to, I need you to tune in right here. Six days of creation. On the seventh he rested. Six days he worked. I know this millennial Gen Z generation says we shouldn't have a 40 hour work week. God works six days. And the, and the commandment of Sabbath is not mostly a commandment of rest. He says six days ye shall work. Because work is not a curse. There was work in the garden before he was ever kicked out. Amen. Work is a blessing. Productivity is a blessing. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. But it's not going to be an eternal retirement cruise boat. We will be a part of the nature of God. Amen. Bringing forth creativity. Bringing forth something of productivity. It is in the nature of God. Y'all clapping, but you stop saying amen. All right. Ah, six days. Six days. Now think about this. God does everything in chronological order, in sequential order. He never gets out of order. God is a God of order. That doesn't mean his order is our order, but his order is always perfect. If I was God, I might have got lonely and said, I want a puppy dog on day two. But he didn't make a puppy dog on day two. He had order to put everywhere, everything where it belongs. So what did he make on day one? Come on. Every synapse firing this direction. On day one, he made outer space. Say it with me, outer space. What did he make on day two? The King James calls it the firmament, which means the sky and the water. So say the sky and the water. Y'all are such a good class. On day three, he made dry land. Now, if God would have stopped after day three, he has conquered two of the three issues before he started creating. The earth was dark. He said, let there be light. He fixed the darkness. He said the world was without form, chaotic, deformed. And so he fixed the chaos and brought order. But if he stops on day three, then he's satisfied with simply an empty aquarium that everything stays pristine and nothing ever makes it dirty, but it's still empty. If you get an aquarium and you don't put anything in it, that's because you don't want to clean it. Amen. It's all set. It's all ready, but it's not yet been filled. But God didn't stop on day three. Because it is in his nature not only to be a creative, productive God. It is a creation principle of his character to be a God who fills everything that he makes. I'm trying to teach, but I feel my preach coming. On day one, he created 
outer space. On day four, he goes back in chronological sequential order and says, now it's time to fill it. <sighs> Let there be sun and moon and stars. The father thought it, the son said it, and the Holy Ghost, <sighs> and the wind of God put them into their constellations and rotations. Why? Because everything he makes, he fills. See, if you only get the light of the gospel to shine in the darkness of your life, if you only get the sanctification of right living to bring order out of chaos, then you have allowed the creative, wonder-working power of God to stop on day three in your life. Amen. But he doesn't just bring light for the darkness. He doesn't just bring order for the chaos. Amen. But uh, the, Bible's was, the, the Bible said the earth was dark without form and void. What's he going to do about that? void friend ah the blood makes you it gives you enough light to go to heaven sanctification gives you enough order to exist on this earth amen but he says i want to do something about the void let's all go on over into day four on day four he goes now fill the constellations on day five, he goes back in chronological sequential order. So he already filled what he made on day one. What did he make on day two? The sky and the water. So what did he make on day five? He said, I want to fill it. Birds of the air. Fish of the sea. Why? Because everything he makes, he fills. You ever going to get to Acts chapter 2? I don't know if I am or not, but you won't have to wait to get there to learn about Pentecost. My God has been in the filling business since day four of creation. Well, well, I don't have to preach again until Sunday, so let me just preach it the way I feel. I, if I lose what I got left in the tank, I'm just going to have to lose it. Friend, if you see a star in the sky, if you see the moon shine at night and the sun rise by day, you ought to stop and give yourself a shout and say, God, if you feel that, feel me. I'm not an astronomer nor an astrologer. I couldn't name most of the constellations. But I do know this. There's never been a day in the history of this planet that God has forgot to bring the stars out at night or the sun out by day. And if he's not left that empty, it's not his will for you to have one day empty in your life. Not one day. Not one day. God, do you want to feel me today? Look outside and see if the sun shines. Did the sun shine today? If he didn't leave that empty, then it's not his will for you to have an empty day. Hallelujah. He already answered darkness. He didn't need the sun. He, he, he turned the light on without the need of the sun. He put the sun there to tell you that I'll fill you. And I'll just give you principles. And I'll just give you doctrine. I'll put power there to shine in your darkness. I'm not an ornithologist. I don't know much about birds, migratory patterns, feathers. I do know this, though. Every time you see a Canadian goose fly over your head, a turtle dove, every time you see something flap its wings, you ought to stop right there and just give yourself a little shout and say, oh, yes, God. Oh, yes, God. I don't know if you saw one today, but I can tell you somewhere on this planet there was a bird flying. I don't know if it was a blue jay or a robin, but as long as there's still birds in the air, you might have been fishing all day and didn't catch nothing but there was still fish in there friend as long as there's fish in the water and birds in the sky he is still in the filling business on day six he goes back to what he made on day three 
On day three, he created dry land. And on day six, in chronological sequential order, he says, I got a thought about that too. Son, say it. And the son said, let there be land animals, creeping things, fill the land. And he made all land creatures. Why? Because everything he makes, he fills. Which means when you get home and your cat's meowing and your dog is barking to be let out and your cow's mooing, amen, and your horse is neighing, you could stop right there and shout and say, oh God, if you filled it, it's because you're in the filling business. But then Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 says something so amazing. He spoke the great barrier reef. He spoke the monarch butterfly that takes three generations to go from Canada to Mexico and one super generation to go from Mexico all the way back to Canada. He spoke it. He spoke the seals, the porpoises. He spoke everything into existence. But when it came to you, he got down in the dust. If the angels were watching, their jaws must have dropped as they thought, oh, what's he doing now? He spoke the galaxies. He spoke the constellations. But now he's forming something. What is he doing in the dust? He's putting an image in the dust. What image is that? I recognize that image. That's his own image. He's mirroring himself in the dust. Meticulously. He finishes his dust image. What's he doing now? If the angels were murmuring, they must have said, what's he doing? He's inhaling. What's he about to do? He's leaning over. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Why? Because everything he makes, he feels. I said everything he makes, he feels. Adam was Holy Ghost filled because God is in his nature not to leave a void. I need y'all to help me preach. Pull out your preacher finger. Pull out your preacher finger and poke yourself. What's what's wrong with the rest of you rebellious people? Y'all don't believe in this? I'm just talking Bible. Pull out your preacher finger or I'm coming for you. Now poke yourself and say, I was made for this. I was born for this. Poke your neighbor. Say, you were made for this. You were born for this. Oh, that's good preaching. He made you to feel you. He created you to feel you. He formed Adam and then he breathed into him. Why? Because everything he makes, he feels. Adam, there's going to be hot days, but you can stand the heat if you've got the breeze of the breath of life inside your lungs. Hallelujah. I don't know how long it took. He took days to name all of the creatures and species, spent time getting to know Eve, but eventually he reached out for forbidden fruit. And when he did, he exhaled that breath. He took in sin and evicted the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because holy And sin cannot cohabitate in the same vessel. And this this incredible, benevolent God said, I still want to be with you. That's what the word tabernacle means. I want to be, I want to dwell with you in your midst. But but we think about the, the tabernacle like, wow, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, holy of holies, mercy seat, blood, sacrifice, incense. Wow, what it would have been to see something like that. And God said, I never wanted that. 
that was plan B because I got evicted from you. I wanted to breathe in you. I wanted to put fire on you. I wanted to pour out my spirit on you. But since you evicted me from you, then I have to deal with plan B. Brother Clinton said that they built that whole tabernacle out of canvas and tapestry and woven hangings until they got to the Holy of Holies and that alone was made with skin, badger skin and ram skin. What was God saying? My presence shall only abide in the skin tent because I decided that I wanted to live in the skin tent of Adam. But if I can't breathe in the skin tent of Adam, I will dwell temporarily in the skin tent of a tabernacle until I can come back to my created purpose. Let me just ask you real quick. Do you know why you're here? If when you were born, there was a tag around your ankle, not the toe tag we preached on, the another one. If there was a tag around your ankle and there was one Bible verse and it says, this is why you exist. One Bible verse. Why, why, why are we here? Why was Adam born? Why was Adam made? He wasn't made to evangelize the lost. There was no lost. Why was he here? Check this out. God gave Adam the ability of articulate speech before he gave him another human to have horizontal communication. Meaning that your primary reason to be able to make a noise is not for horizontal. That's all right. But the primary reason is for vertical. Which means you ought not think your praise only. Hum your praise. Text your praise. Tweet your praise. Like and share. You ought to say like David. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And your praises will continuously be in my mouth. It's my last night, so I'm just giving you everything I got in the tank. So what verse would say, why are you here? The best one I know is Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 7. My granddaddy told me when I was a young boy, he said, if you ever find somebody suicidal and they say they have no purpose in their life, you read them Isaiah 43 and 7. What's that say, Brother Robert? It says, for even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory I have formed him yea I have made him now in Hebrew there's no exclamation marks there's no bold there's no underline the way you emphasize something is by saying it twice or the thrice emphasis is the highest emphasis which is why the angels cry in Isaiah 6 holy 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 sometimes through the Psalms and Proverbs it will be a double emphasis but it's actually poetically changed the words but with the same concept like the ironic blessing says may the Lord lift his countenance upon you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you it's a double emphasis of the same concept he's saying I want you to see God smiling at you I really want you to see God smiling at you so he's using different words to emphasize the same thing but here in Isaiah 43 and 7 he says three times through different words I created you I formed you I made you. How many know that makes it, that means the same thing? Mama said I cooked it, which means I mixed it, which means I baked it. All means the same thing. Mama cooked it. God said I made you. Oh, that's good, but you made me to go live for myself and have vacations and, and get a nest egg and go into retirement and live my best life now. No, 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 no. I made you. I'm God. You're not. So, so you made me. But you still made me just for happiness. No, 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 no. I made you. Psalm 100, shout unto the Lord all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord for he is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. Amen. If you did not make yourself, then that means you don't have the operating manual on how you work. If you've got a Samsung, first of all, pray through and get an iPhone. But if you have a Samsung and it breaks... Don't take it to the Apple store. 
they don't know how to fix a Samsung. They don't have the parts. They don't have the manual. And if you have an iPhone, then you're living on the right side. And if you have an iPhone and it breaks, don't take it to the Android dealer. They don't have the engineers. They don't have the parts. They don't have the manual. You know what that means? It means if your life is broken, don't take it to Dr. Phil. Don't take it to Ellen. Don't take it to Oprah. Don't take it to CNN. Don't take it to Fox. Don't take it to Democrats. Don't take it to Republicans. Don't wait for somebody else to fix it. Go back to the manufacturer. Go back to the one that wrote the manual. Go back to the one who knows how it ought to work. Marriage is broken. Go to the one who invented marriage. And he'll tell you what it ought to do. No inventor ever created something and didn't know what it was for. Everybody else might be confused, but ask Edison, what's that for? He said, if I get this electrical current right, I get the wattage, the voltage, the filament at the right thinness, cold the right way. I'm going to send something through that. And that thing is going to be able to make a dark room bright with light without the need of a flame or a candle. Amen. He made it. He knew its function. Henry Ford knew if I get this assembly line right, get these parts put together. Everybody else is still riding trains and horses and buggies. But this thing, this is going to be something different. I know what it's for. I know how it works. So then why are we living our life not knowing our purpose, not knowing what we're here for, and then to hear the verse that God says, I made you for my glory. Not your entertainment. Not for your recreational petting of one another. Not for your distraction. Not for your own consumption of fleshly desire. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're looking for something else to distract you. you got to come back to the manufacturer and say, what's it about? What am I here for? And he says, that, that's a light machine. And that vehicle, that's a transportation machine. And you, you're my glory machine. I made you for my glory what's that about God what kind of egotistical self-centered being makes it all about him what kind of prideful arrogant deity says that everything is for him let me tell you what kind if there was a being in eternity past that was in the solitude of himself altogether lovely kind beautiful beyond description resplendent in glory what is the most selfish thing that being could do Keep himself to himself. But what is the most gracious, humble, benevolent thing that being could do share himself with another he thinks it he speaks it he breathes it the wind of God the breath of God the ruach of God brings it into activity the angels watch they respond as they stand in holy awe but now he says I'll give something free will I'll I'll give them an option and they will be my glory machine but that cannot function without electricity that vehicle cannot function without fuel and he says in my flesh dwelleth no good thing if you don't breathe on me I cannot bring you glory he says I will not share my glory with another hallelujah the flesh profiteth nothing if anything in my flesh I rob him of the glory all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we were a junkyard of humanity we couldn't get the engine to turn over we couldn't get the headlights to come on amen God moved on prophets he moved on kings he moved on priests but he couldn't move in them I remember being a 12 year old boy reading that God woke up Samuel as a boy saying Samuel Samuel I wept on the floor that night in my bedroom I said God why why can't I hear your voice like that why don't you wake 
wake me up in the night like that. And God said I had to talk out loud to Samuel because I couldn't talk on the inside. But you got something better than Samuel's got. He moved on them, but he was locked in that tabernacle. He came on Samson at times, but he was locked in that temple. Until finally, in the midst of the junkyard of broken glory machines, the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. And we beheld him, the glory of God, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I don't know what your favorite vehicle is, but I'm talking about the Corvette of glory machines, the Ferrari Bugatti of glory machines, the Harley, da- I don't know, rolled into the junkyard, revved his engine, and we said, whoa, that's the glory of God. And Jesus could have stayed and been the only one. The Spirit of God came on him. He did nothing in himself but what the Spirit of God prompted and led and empowered him to do. How did he know the woman at the well had five husbands and the man she was with now was not her husband? By the gift of word of knowledge, it is available to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What's he doing? He's saying, I come to be an example for you that you would do as I've done for you. I'm giving you the roadmap of how to be a glory machine. I'm giving you the model of what a glory machine looks like. I didn't come to be the only one. If I stay, I'm the only glory machine here. But if I go, I will send you the same power. I've come to wash you. I've come to fix you. I've come to restore you. But what good What's a big engine? What's a big engine? Hell, can't be somebody else. What's a big engine? A four. A, that sounds like a gun. I don't know nothing about mechanics. Neither do y'all. A V8 turbo diesel. I felt the anointing on that one. Somebody else got a big engine? A something, something, something. A big one. Imagine somebody restoring. A broke down car. I'm talking about a hot rod. Souping it up. Leaving it in the garage. And driving to the post office once a week. At 35 miles an hour. And bringing it back and parking in the garage. You know what car enthusiasts would say every time they drove by that house? They'd say what a waste. All that power. What a waste. My stepfather has a 67 Firebird. When he gets a full tank of gas, the whole neighborhood knows it. He revs the engine until their windows are vibrating. That's what their neighbors in this thing, this town are thinking. They have in church every night. Amen. We can't get no rest. They're shouting down there at the top of their lungs. Amen. He gets out. I, when I drive in their neighborhood, I know he's been in that firebird because there's, there's burnout parts. There's, there's donut parts where he's been t- spinning donuts, peeling out. And friend, I am high-octane Pentecost. I, li- I like going to churches where they run the aisle so much, they got scuff marks in the corner because people have been running and have to kind of hike up a little bit. Amen. Because they've been doing donuts. But hear me. The primary purpose of fueling your engine is not to rivet. The primary purpose of fueling your engine is not for you to do donuts in the street. The primary purpose of that fuel is for you to be a vehicle for the passengers. God said if I can breathe in you then you won't stay locked in the upper room and only go to church one time a week to get the mail from heaven and say pastor deliver it to me and then drive 35 miles an hour back home. You've got the third person of the trinity inside of you. He said these signs shall follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out devils in my name they will speak in other tongues and if you don't walk in that friend and you claim to have the Holy Ghost 
let me just say of your life, what a waste. What a waste. There's a whole lot more there. There's a, that's like getting a gift on Christmas and grandma finding out that you stuck it under the bed and it's been covered with dust for three years. Oh, that's not what this gift is for. It's not just for pulling out on special occasions, camp meetings and youth camps. Oh, friend, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a love gift from Jesus to say, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you comfortless. Man... I love preaching on this Holy Ghost, but we got to get to a close at some point. So listen. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost. The New Testament word for spirit is pneuma. Somebody say pneuma. Pneuma is the same Greek word for the Old Testament word ruach. Pneuma starts with a P. You've heard that kind of phraseology when we talk about things like pneumonia. Because pneuma means breath, wind, spirit. Pneumonia is an attack against your breath. It's P-N-E-U-M-A in our transliteration in our alphabet. Pneuma, the breath of God, the wind of God. But now it's not that which is bringing forth the thought of the Father and the word of the Son into the planet. Now he says this spirit of God that once hovered on the water is going to dwell in you. So that you can walk in creative power into dark worlds, into deformed and chaotic lives, into people all over the place that are losing their mind. And you can say, my father has a thought for you. He has thoughts for peace. He has thoughts for good. He has thoughts to restore. Amen. So that you can speak the words of Christ and he'll back it up with the power of the Holy Ghost. I I need to know, is is there anybody in here that has ever framed a house? Anybody ever framed a house? I got three, four, five. Anybody ever roofed a house? I got a few more of those. Anybody ever used a hammer at all? Okay, I need to get a little bit. There you go. Praise the Lord. But you ever been swinging that hammer away trying to build something, get the job done, and then your rich uncle cousin comes over, just got back from Lowe's Home Depot, and says, let me show you this new toy I just picked up, an air compressor. Oh, I can hear it kick on in my spirit. If I was good at sound effects, I'd, when it goes click and it starts going, what's it doing? It is taking compressed air and it is pushing it into that container. What's it waiting for? It's waiting for the person to attach the nail gun. It's waiting for somebody to attach the air wrench. You know what those, those tools are called? They're called pneumatic tools. Pneuma. Automatic, automatic pneuma power, automatic wind power, automatic breath power. Friend, if you've been living Christianity in the flesh, I'm trying to live holy. I'm trying to overcome my addiction. I'm trying not to smoke anymore, drink anymore, curse anymore. I'm trying not to have a bad attitude. I'm trying to break this this cycle. Friend, it's exhausting swinging the hammer in the flesh. But he said, I will give you power. When my pneuma hagios, my holy breath... My holy wind comes inside of you. Oh, why would you be a rowboat when you could be a sailboat? Come on, why would you operate in the exhaustion of religion when he says, I want to make you my pneumatic tool in the kingdom? Woo! First time you get a nail gun, you're ready to frame and, and, and shingle. You're looking for people to go help. You, 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 you need some work done. Here, here, let me bring my... Man, I'm ready to put shingles on everybody's house. Oh, that's the way Holy Ghost filled people ought to be. 
God, fill us with the, not just wind, not just air, but the spirit, the person of the Holy Ghost. I told you all my friend Zach passed away. Help me on the piano if you would please, Brother Adam. You know, his wife, she was only 19. She had completed one or two years of Bible college, so she thought it would be wise to go back to Bible college, so she did. Her, her Zach's brother, he went back to his ministry and different ones back to their places. But Zach's sister, Hannah, Hannah lived just 200 yards away from Zach, and, uh, and she was not getting any better. And she'd go to her mama's house. They all live on the same piece of property. And she'd say, Mama, God's helping Daddy. God's helping you. God's helping Caleb. God's helping Erica. God's helping Jesse. But I miss my brother. I miss his laugh. I miss his sense of humor. You got to know Hannah. She's, she's a little bit quirky. She's got an interesting sense of humor. At the funeral, different people put stuff up on the pulpit that would remind them of Zach and so somebody put up a cowboy boot because he's from Texas and somebody put up a monster drink because he liked adrenaline and then and then Hannah she put up a box of nutty buddies anybody know what a nutty buddy is ain't nothing gluten free about a nutty buddy and she says Zach is my nutty buddy we're silly we're buddies we call each other nutty buddy she said and we both loved him so when I would open a pack, I would share one with him. And when he would open a pack, he usually wouldn't share one with me. But sometimes he would. She said, and I'm going to miss my nutty buddy. She's going to her job at Subway and coming home. And the exhaustion of emotion. You know what it's like to be emotionally exhausted and you slept eight hours, but you're so emotionally exhausted you just want to sleep. And you just want to sleep till the pain's over with. God, where are you? She said, Mama, God's helping everybody else, but God's not helping me. Where, where is he? Does he see my pain? Does he know what I'm going through? And Hannah was being a sandwich artist at Subway one day in Ponder, Texas. And this woman comes in, minivan pulls up, got two little girls with her. She's kind of nervous acting. She ordered real quick and left. Hannah didn't think anything about it until 15 minutes later this woman came back girls in the van that lady looked at her and she said ma'am I don't know you from anybody but last time I was in here I felt the Lord told me to do something and I had to go to the store and get you something I don't know if this means anything and pulled out a box of nutty buddies and put it on the counter and says does this mean anything to you <laughs> Hannah just began to weep called mama says the Lord knows where I'm at the Lord knows what I'm going through friend don't tell me people don't need the breeze of the presence and the Spirit of God. But he wants you to be that pneumatic, wind-powered, creation through the chaos, light in the darkness, filling the void with the power of God, being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. What's really going on, Brother Robert? I don't know what's going on in this church. I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I don't know what's going on on your job. But I do know this. Let the wind come and it'll clean the threshing floor. Let the wind come and it'll clean out sin. 
I don't like everything that's going on down there at Grace Fellowship. Then pray for the wind to blow. Pray for the breeze of heaven to clean it out. Oh, what's really going on? We need help. Friend, we will complain about so many things. What about a, a, a paycheck? What about a promotion? What about a government payout? What about unemployment? What about this program? What about everything that you need is coming through the resource of his spirit from heaven, the word of Jesus into your life, and it waits to be activated by you receiving the love gift of Jesus to you. Stand with me to your feet if you would please.